welcome to another episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E. I have a very special guest. She's a fellow podcaster. Um, welcome to, to the show, Dr. Christian C. Eccleson. Hey. Hey. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I love talking to people. So just the fact that I get to have a fellow podcaster and I get to have you talk about what you love to talk about. So. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I love talking about a lot of different things. So, I mean, we could go down so many different <laughs> rabbit holes, but. We might just end up doing that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how my show technically goes. Like, we'll start on certain things and we just we just end up having a great conversation. So, that's, that's what I'm it. looking forward to. I am too. I am too. Okay, so I want, I let, let the audience know what's your doctorate and what Doctor, what do you? What's your specialty? What do I do? What What, what does that mean, what, right? What does you do? Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess a little bit of background to lead up to what my doctorate is in is yeah. I was a special education teacher for a really long time. I loved being a special education yeah. teacher, and towards the end of my in classroom career, because I did transition out of the classroom, I was a special education resource teacher, which essentially is I was a department head, but I had a really unique opportunity to create, design, develop, and implement a program specifically for students with mental health needs. And it was funny, it was way before the pandemic, several years before, and people didn't think that there was a need for a mental health programming for, for students. I actually had to convince people that there was. And it ended up being such a successful program that they ended up having to open a second location because there were so many students in need of a program um, that focused solely on mental health needs in the education setting. And so that is ultimately what drove me to go back to school and get my doctorate is I wanted to have a better understanding of why this was happening, why we were seeing an increase in youth mental health needs. So my doctorate is technically in mind, brain, and teaching. But what that means is the processing of how your brain thinks, takes in information, views information, how the environment plays a role and how you learn a lot of learning theory, but I specifically focused my dissertation on mental health in the education setting so I could understand why some of what was going on is going on. And then I had no idea at the time when I started all this that the pandemic would hit and just make this youth mental health need just explode, which is essentially what has happened. And what I do now since leaving the classroom setting is supporting families specifically with students who have mental health needs who feel like maybe they're not getting the supports and services they need in the education setting. And that's very important. Um, I've had some friends who who lost children to suicide huh. and I'm sure programs like this would have been beneficial for them. And, and it's a great thing that you're able to, that you started this prior to even the pandemic. But once the pandemic hit, it was like a lot of these kids felt so isolated and alone. And it was a difficult time for them. And they, they're, they're still suffering from the, from the effects of that lockdown and all that. So yes, it, it's very important that that we help these children. Because for many years, it was mental health wasn't a priority. No. That wasn't something that wasn't something we spoke about. If, if you actually went to see a psychiatrist or saw any, or went to any therapist or anything, people would just label you. They would say yeah. you're crazy. Yep. You, there was you don't stigma. speak to that person. Yeah, that's a crazy person. Don't stick to them. Don't speak yep. to them. Stay away from them. Or and, don't tell people that you're going through stuff. If you are going yes. through stuff, right, don't tell anyone. Yeah. You don't want anyone to know. Absolutely. And, it, and it's because of the stigma that was attached to it. And I think what you ended up having is there's a lot of people who are all dealing with mental health, right? But none of us were talking about it because we were all so afraid of what the person next to us would say. But if we were talking about it, we would all know that we weren't as alone as we felt, that more of our peers were actually going through what we were going through and, and could relate to what we were feeling and experiencing. But we were just so scared to talk about it. And I think there's a generational aspect to it, too. I, you know, even as a young person, I can remember times where if you were tried, you tried to express your feelings to a parent or an adult figure, you got a lot of you're fine. You're fine. Don't, you're being overdramatic. You're fine. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm 46 years old, and I come from a generation where we didn't, especially in the black and brown community, this is not something we discussed. This is not something we we didn't go to therapy. We didn't seek help because again, that stigmatism, that label, we didn't want to be labeled the crazy person in the family, or we didn't, or whatever it was, and and so 
it's but because I believe me, I'm sure a lot of people in my generation can 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 definitely attest to having a lot of mental health issues, and it's just um, it's just crazy that now it's a such a long time like now this time now for people to realize that yes there there is a crisis here with a lot of mental health issues there is a hundred percent i mean it's even at a point now where the white house released a press release i think at the end of july talking about oh we have a youth mental health crisis on our hands and i'm glad that they acknowledged it but i'm also like you think like (laughs) welcome welcome to the party yeah it's been here for a while and and, and unfortunately, I think there's still mental health has been around for a long time, but because we've only just started to talk about it, I still feel like we're very much at a loss of what is it that we're actually supposed to be doing? How do we actually take action steps to address mental health, especially within our our youth? And I was going back to the White House press release. I was reading through it and there was a lot of great stuff in there, you know, wanting more social workers, wanting more school psychologists. Um, you know, investing money into making sure resources are in schools, but not one time did it ever mention teachers or how they were going to help teachers learn. And that was specifically what my research was in when I I got my doctorate was it ended up being that teachers really didn't know what mental health looked like. And I'm not pointing a finger there. Like if, if you're not taught something, you don't know something. So there's no, no accusation there. And teacher prep programs don't teach what mental health is. There is no mental health one-on-one, but teachers are the first line of defense. And I'm not necessarily advocating to put more on their plate, but if we're going to put all these social workers and psychologists in buildings, fantastic. But let's like, let's let the front line people who are teachers at least know what they're looking for so they can identify the students in need and then refer them on to the supports and services that are there. But there was nothing to address teachers. So I still feel like oftentimes we're still saying we're doing things, but we're grasping at straws or we're really addressing things at a surface level and not really digging deep into what students need. I I sit in meetings on a regular basis where where you will have students talk about how suicidal they are and how much the school setting or environment is contributing to it. And then you have a staff member go, well, yeah, but your grades and your attendance look great. So even though you feel that way, you know, your efforts are paying off. And that's a a true thing that I have experienced before, not even me exaggerating. And I can't believe what is coming out of people's mouths. I mean, you're literally saying to this kid, it's cool that you feel this way about yourself, but at least your grades and your attendance look great. So, I mean, what kind of messaging are we giving to kids about self-care and taking, making sure that their needs are being met? That's telling them you don't care. You you, you, you care more about my, my grades and my attendance than you actually do about my mental well-being. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'd love and, to tell you that's a one-off situation, but it's not. I know. I can imagine. I can imagine. It, it's our school system is broken. We. It's not like we. We know this. It's not like we don't know our school. All all our schools are underfunded. We we don't have the, the proper funding to even help the teachers with school supplies and all this. So imagine trying to get them help with 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 all the other issues that we have now. So it, it's a shame and. and it's it's great that someone like you is out there creating programs like this to help these students. Hopefully you can get it implemented in, across the country. That would be great. That is the goal. I mean, that is actually a part of my business. And what I attempt to do is, is getting a program that I know is, I mean, it's backed by evidence. It's research-based. It's, it's, tried and true. And I want other schools to do it, not just because it, it actually ends up saving schools millions of dollars yearly in private placement fees. So talking about school funding, um, part of the special education law is if a school cannot provide a placement or the right education setting for a child, uh, free and appropriate public education, they have to provide it to a child. So some children in our school systems get paid or they don't get paid, but they get placed in private placements that the school system has to pay for. And prior to the program I had created, most of those students in that program were going out into private placements. And tuitions on those things are not cheap. And and we did, my principal and I did the math one time, and that was millions of dollars a year that were being retained by the school setting. So if we were to provide more specialized programs for students, it would also be beneficial to school systems because there would be funding that was retained for them in that. That's, I mean, that's, it's it's just, it's just crazy to, to think that our future, our children, our future aren't, aren't protected. They're not doing anything to help them. And then 
it's it's a shame it's 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 just crazy to me it's just i don't i don't understand it because we're we're the supposedly the richest country in the world and yet the education the education system and how our kids are on and how we protect our children is just mind-blowing and i think a lot of it has to do with we've become very just like everything else in this country everything comes down to the dollar right you know our school systems were structured uh, if you go back in time and you look at our structure of our school system a lot of it had a, a time where like the rockefellers were people who were on on educational boards and stuff and so decisions were made off of financial gains and that's still happening today you know assessments college board all those different things where there's financial gains to be made you know, other countries don't have some of the assessments and stressors of assessments that we do, but it's a money-making ploy here in this in this country. And so it's really hard to fight some of those things because of the fact that it's so embedded in this rich, long legacy of how we, you know, get funds and how the money gets handed from one hand to another. And we started to lose sight some time ago of how that was impacting students and what is actually the best thing for students. There's so much research and evidence now that shows what best practices for learning looks like, but we don't implement them in schools because it would be outside of that one size fits all box that we've been operating out of for the last 200 some years. And we know that like a lot of things, especially for like kids who are neurodiverse, your ADHD or autism or dyslexia, there's a lot of learning practices that are just good practices that every kid would benefit from but instead we make those kids feel ostracized and out you know like outcasted and they have to have special programming and special things which just make them feel like what's wrong with me when in reality there isn't anything wrong with them they're kids whose brains function differently and we've made them feel like something is wrong with them when in reality neurotypical neurodiverse everybody's brain is beautiful we're just our brains work differently it doesn't make us better or worse than the other person it's just different but the school is only aligned to be able to serve one type of brain accurately. And it's sad because it, no. I think it really impacts a lot of kids who have a lot of potential and talent. And, and, and you, and you know, and it's crazy because now compared to when I was growing up, maybe, or maybe it's, it's just, we just didn't know, but we have a whole, a lot more children on the spectrum now than I remember when I was growing up. Absolutely. And, and I do think to some degree diagnosing is, is happening more frequently than it was yeah. in the past. Okay. Yeah. In the past, and it I, used I, to be like, you're quirky, right? You're yeah. quirky. You're, you're, yeah. You're different, unique. Yeah. It's, you're weird or whatever it was, whatever. It, and let's be honest, that's how it was. It was always some, but we all have our quirkiness or we all have mm-hmm. something quirky about us that we do that people, somebody might look at and be like, why are you doing that? Yeah, that's weird. But that's, that's something. I think that's the uniqueness in all of us that we're all different. Our brain works differently mm-hmm. and it's just, that's just life. That's how it is. But you're absolutely right with the way that they, they treat them. Like, no, they like secondhand or whatever it is, or they're just not focusing on trying to help them the correct way. They're thinking that all brains function the same way. No, no. studies show that they're not. They, they, they don't and to trying to throw the same like just keep trying to fix it the same way it's not going to work you have to find new methods and you have to find new ways you have to have the ex- true experts like yourself come in who have this the stats and the studies to show that hey we can we, there's there's something we can do there's different there's different programs we can implement mm-hmm. to help these kids yep but we have to have people who have actually been in education or have recently been in education making the decisions. Unfortunately, there's so many people who are not tied into having been a classroom teacher who are making these higher up decisions. And I think it's also fair to say that the type of student that exists right now is a very different type of student than the one prior to the pandemic. The needs just look so drastically different. They're, they're behind. They're behind. And and more than just academics too, social no, emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yes, they're behind. Definitely, they're behind. And that that year of of being away from their friends and being away from other kids to to be able to build those relationships with each other and all that that that's that has set a lot of kids behind. 
and it's and we're gonna see it coming. We're gonna see it in the generations to come. It's just, it was it was just crazy. I mean, just in their social, I'll give you um, a real a real life example we went through. So I have two elementary school age children, and they recently had a school dance, like Monster Mash for Halloween, and they there ended up having to be an email that went out to all of the parents because these kids just tore apart the gym, and this is even with parents present. I mean, they were destroying the decorations. They were running in and out of the gym. There was bullying. There were people eating snacks and then just throwing the, the trash on the floor. And, and I, and I say that just to show that there is this level of, you know, I think every child as an individual is probably fine, but when you get them in this group setting, because they missed that year and a half, two years of critical social skills, it shows that they don't even know how to to act in a group setting appropriately. Wow. And and I, and I know that's just one example, but I know that this is happening everywhere. We hear different types of stories, and and, and I think a lot of it it just it shows how much of social interaction is so important to development, and that kids, regardless if they were young kids when the pandemic happened, or even older kids. Because I'll even say an adult story. I went out to to see a concert or something recently with my husband, and it was closer to when everything first started to open back up. And these kids were just like getting up and down to go to the bathroom. We went to see a comedian, and I don't care. You have to go to the bathroom. You have to go to the bathroom. But when you have to go to the bathroom 15 times during a two-hour show, and I've had to stand up 15 times to let you and your friends in and out, and it was obvious to me that they were like newly 21 year olds who had like never gone out (laughs) to drink at a, like a show in public before. Like this was their first like 21 experience in public type of thing. But like, dude, 15 times is a little excessive because you have (laughs) obviously have no regard for the people because you know, when you go to those concert venues, theaters, like there's this much leg room there. And so you have to stand up and let the person by. And I mean, they would literally have this one person who'd come out and it was like, I guess somebody else in their group realized, oh, maybe going to the bathroom is not a bad idea. And then let, then they would get up and you had just sat back down to get back and they'd come back with drinks. And you're like, friends, you obviously don't understand what it means to break the seal here. And like, <laughs> um, this is your obviously your first experience out in public. But I mean, it just even to that, those like little decorum things didn't exist amongst these like newly minted 21 year olds. Yeah, I don't. That's why I. Uh... At shows, I really don't like drinking too much of anything because I don't mm-hmm. want to have to continuously go back and forth to the bathroom. Right? You know <laughs> so, this. You know this. <laughs> even though in a movie, I make sure I pace my soda, whatever, whatever right? drink. I make sure I pace it because I really don't want to miss any scenes or anything. So right. I can wait till either I go prior to the movie or go after the movie. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a real emergency. But other than that, you try to pace yourself. Right. And, and I'd love to tell you it was just my row, too. It wasn't the row in front of me. The people who were directly and sitting in front of me turned around and they were like, I am so sorry. And I'm like, friend, I realize it's not you who's doing it. (laughs) Like four rows in front of that. I mean, so there was multiple rows. I I honestly thought I was waiting for the comedian to like make a comment because to me it was that evident that it was happening all over the theater. And I'd never experienced anything like that before because usually you know right you there's a level of decorum like once maybe twice you go to the bathroom but 15 maybe times twice, no. maybe twice no. maybe i think one time is, is good enough right but if you keep gotta listen dude you need to hold you need to stop drinking so much soda that's just something right right so but, i mean so you just you see it like it, it didn't matter if you're an elementary or you were a young adult you you see this social impact that has occurred so again, I, the reason I love the live is the interaction is is people like Tony come come through and saying, I believe our minds are part of the core of the big picture. He also goes, when we are, as individuals understand our mental health affects not only us, but our life in general, as well as others, mm-hmm. basically our relationships. And we have to incorporate self-awareness as well as self-love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And so much of that is is missing right now in in schools the self-awareness the self-love the the making sure that our minds are right I, I tell i tell teachers and people i work with in school systems all the time is as teachers you can get kids to learn that you know we're taught how to do that but when kids aren't available for learning and then we're still trying to shove learning down their throats 
we're just fighting with kids. Kids aren't benefiting from it. And, and, and I felt like when we all came back from the pandemic, it's like we just expected everything to go back to normal and we wanted it back to normal as quick as possible and, and didn't address the elephant in the room, was, which was the fact that things aren't normal, that things can't just go back to the way that they were. Things, it, something has changed and we can't just go back to this old operating system. And we just skipped over that. We just expected kids to get right back in, in tune and right back in step with how everything was prior to the pandemic. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, and again, I've seen it with friends that I have. I have two friends who who, who took their children, their child took their lives, and mm. it's devastating. And I, I can't, I can't imagine as a parent having to deal with that. And so, and and, and it's crazy because the, the the rates have gone up. It, it were it was the the numbers jumped like substantially during the pandemic mm-hmm. these kids didn't know how to deal with it and and of course you still have social media and stuff so if they were dealing with stuff prior to it in school and all that now you're getting a full dose of it at all the time on social media from from people who are bullying you or whatever the situation was or not being able to interact with your friends yeah. I, I i think kids have it worse now compared to when I was growing up, because if I was getting bullied at school, it ended at school. Yeah. Now you have Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, school, you have cell phones, you have all these things where they can, they can attack you. Yeah. So they're, they're dealing with a whole different animal compared to what my generation had to deal with. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I didn't have to deal with any of that either. Any of the social media stuff that that wasn't a thing, even in college, it wasn't a thing that I had to deal with. So I do feel I do feel bad because I don't think kids understand the repercussions. And you're right, it doesn't end at school and, and bullying is still a huge issue and is still a huge concern. And I think some of it has also probably stemmed from we know people bully because they themselves are hurting. And with the amount of people that are hurting from the the fallout of the pandemic or even prior and then loading the pandemic on there, I'm not surprised that bullying is continuing to be a significant issue. And I also feel like, too, we and I'm transitioning here a little bit. They're not necessarily 100 percent correlated, but. I feel like kids' resiliency is impacted a little bit too. Um, and there's so many factors that could be leading to that. But we definitely have, I think, hindered kids as adults. We have helped hindered kids' resiliency and perseverance. And that has also led to not being able to have some of the skills to cope with people being mean or bullying. And not that I'm okaying bullying. It should never happen. But when it does, I think sometimes kids don't have the skills that they need to cope with it too. And that has stemmed from, in all honesty, I think it stemmed originally from a place of love. I think parents and remembered, you know, our generation, we remembered that, yeah, these feelings stunk and I didn't like feeling this way or I didn't like, you know, not winning or dealing with whatever I dealt with. And parents attempted to try and keep kids from having to feel some of those feelings. And it, it, again, it was coming from a place of love. But by doing so, kids didn't have to build up some of that resiliency and some of that perseverance um, because anytime they get faced those uncomfortable feelings, we we try to swoop in and step oh, in and prevent that. Believe me, I, I agree with you. Because when I played Little League Baseball, if we didn't win the championship, we wasn't getting no trophies. Right. Honestly, I, and I'm not, I'm not not I'm knocking parents now for participation trophies and all that. That's fine. But that drove us for next year. Like we yep. saw these dudes get t- the championship trophies and we got these little rinky-dink trophies. And I'm like, I want the big one. Yep. So that drove you to practice. That drove you to make you better. Yep. To see, hey, he had a bigger trophy. I want. I'm. I'm gonna work my butt off to get that trophy. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't say knocking anyone, but you. When I played baseball, I was competitive. So when I saw that I didn't win the big one, I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. That, it motivated gotta, you. Yeah. It's it's got to it's got to change. We got to do something, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it fellas, motivated. We got to play much you. better. 
And we've taken that away from kids a little bit and so many different. And there's a great book, actually, it's called A Nation of Wimps. And it, it dives into this much more in detail. But it, we've essentially taken that drive away from kids. We've taken the resiliency away. And you especially see it in, I would say, young adults, so late high school into college. And, you know, it's this first time that you're kind of getting that independency that you have as a young adult and you don't know how to cope with a breakup or something that didn't go your way or you didn't get a grade in one of your college classes that you were expecting and now mom isn't here to call your professor even though this is starting to happen which just boggles my mind that that's happening at the college level i would be so embarrassed if one of my parents had called my professor at the college level but i mean that's happening now and I think, again, I think it stemmed from a place of love. So I'm not trying to beat up on anyone. I think it, it really came from, I love my child. When my child hurts, I hurt. I don't want my child to hurt. I'm going to step in and try and prevent it. But to some degree, you have to let your child hurt and learn how to navigate through some of these feelings so that they can be resilient. So they know how to persevere. Or what happens is you have a young adult who has a breakup and then they don't know what to do or how to handle it. or with it, no at all because they've always had somebody step in and prevent them from those yucky feelings. And and that's, that's, it's, and it's the same, it's the same thing with how, when we growing up, we were outside playing, we would fall, Mm -hmm. skin, bruise our knees, cuts and all that. And that, that was just growing up. That was the part that was now. And I love my grandson. So, but if he falls and he bent, if he bumps his head, Mm -hmm. my daughter's ready to rush him to the hospital. And he might be okay. And I get it. I understand it's, we have to be safe and all that. But sometimes he's going to fall. He's going to scrape his knee. And it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think some of it is, yes, we've become more protective. And, and you have to ask yourself sometimes to what degree has society forced us to be that way? Because I could see your your daughter saying, you know, like, but if I didn't, is, you know, is CPS going to come knocking on my door? Am I going to be seen yeah. as this type? So I feel like to some degree and, and and for good reasons, obviously, you know, we know about different departments because at times they are needed. I mean, I've worked with oh, both, I, with families and it's I, needed, but then it puts this fear yeah. in other people. And then because um, um, you have parents, yeah, you have people that that they need these services called on them absolutely i agree with that one but then it's just like you said they put the fear in other parents to like well, if i do this and this happens and he gets bruised or something who's yeah. gonna come investigate my house yeah. and i'm not saying that you beat you but i'm just saying that sometimes he might fall and bump something and he gets a bruise somewhere and they already assume you'd be beating your child yep and and it's again it's a double-edged sword um i i'm a court mandated reporter when i was a teacher and so I I've had to make phone calls. And the thing that's hard is sometimes you're not allowed to ask questions. You're not allowed to investigate. You're not allowed to ask questions. So if I see something and it's just out of the norm, I just have to report without doing any investigating. And I get, I get why that rule exists, but again, I'm also might be doing reporting and making us, you know, for something that was just, yeah, you know, he fell down while he was playing outside and he skinned his knee and I don't, you know, like he, the story is not matching up. And if I had just been able to ask a question or not ask a question, I would have been like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this is obviously not a big deal. And then I see both sides of the argument. I truly do. I see why there's the need to just report. And I, but I also feel like there's times where are you creating more stressors or more issues within a home because you couldn't ask a question. And, and I think that's why you also see this generation that overreach like tends to overreact because there are a lot of scenarios in the past that have now made these, these critical moments where you as a good person want to be, well, I don't want to get, you know, seen as somebody who is hurting my kid or get reported because that's not the case. And so I'm going to overreact because, and then, and then that comes off on kids to some degree. Right. So I'm sure your grandchild then sees the, the way mom responds. So, you know, it is a big deal that I've skinned my knee and I need to, you know, like it's the end of the world because that's what it's being addressed instead of like a get up and shake it off type of thing. Yeah. So it's yeah. hard. I, I see it. <laughs> I think my, my curse in this world is I truly can always see everybody's argument. Does that mean I always agree with it, but I can see everybody's see, yeah, argument. Their point of view or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes you have to look at it from other people, but you don't have to agree with it, but you have to see it from their point of view. Yeah. 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 Understandable. So, okay. So you have a podcast. What made you go into the, what made you want to do a podcast? 
That is a really good question. So I actually have three three podcasts, three podcasts. <laughs> that I participate on. I think some of it is uh, before I became a teacher, I was a radio DJ. So maybe there's a little bit of love from, okay. from that back in the day. But my podcast, The Neurodiverse Teacher, is my brand. And I created that podcast because I work with so many students who just are so afraid to be seen as being different or standing out in any kind of way. And I predominantly work with students who are neurodiverse or have dealt with mental health. And I wanted to have a podcast that would show them or highlight adults who, or even young people who have also dealt with either being neurodiverse or mental health, but still found success or still thrived. Or, you know, even if they had this rough moment in their life, how they were still able to persevere and overcome. And, and I really wanted to have this podcast that shared and highlighted those stories in hopes that young people would hear them and say, okay, you know, it's okay to be different or this being different is going to be important for me later or I'm going to be able to overcome or this is inspirational. And that was really kind of the thought or the thinking behind that. Um, and then I have another podcast that I do with a girlfriend of mine that's called Two Neurodiverse Moms. And we are both neurodiverse and we both have neurodiverse children. And we just get on for 45 minutes once a week and we just talk to each other about everything, everything and anything. It's really like watching an ADHD conversation. We try to be funny <laughs> about it, but we just like ping pong back and forth. And then I have another podcast that I, I do bi-weekly with a gentleman named Christopher King. He goes by King and it's called The Growth Perspective. And on that podcast, we take um, some current current trending topics and we we talk about them through the lens of a growth mindset. And it, it's interesting because we both have very different backgrounds. So we bring very different perspectives and we we always try to address growth mindset, though, is kind of the core of that that podcast and and looking at I think we did Dahmer next week. We're doing uh, Kanye. Yay. Uh, and all we're tackling that. I know that's a big one to unpack, but oh, all through, me, uh, yeah, me, all through growth mindset. Me, me and my nephew touched that on uh, one of our, we do a, a weekly sh uh, Friday show every Friday. And yeah, he was our last, ep well, he's been our last three or four episodes, honestly. There's <laughs> a lot been, to unpack there. Oh man, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but no, it, it's, it's crazy. But um, so one of my, one of my, listeners um sick viewers listeners all that he's he's a he's always on the show he wants to know what was your dj handle oh that was good so mine was kc um so the c in my my middle initial was my maiden name which was collins and so i was kc and then that was when i so i started off in radio as an intern in high school on hot 99.5 which is a washington dc area radio station kind of like the pop pop station and okay. i started off with their morning show and i was the underage intern was my handle and then when i turned 18 i became the intern formerly known as underage <laughs> intern and then when i went off to college uh because i had had those credentials i was able to get a the weekend dj position at uh kiss fm which was ocean city maryland's uh big rate pop radio station and that was kc on the radio so um, I had set myself up for a nice little broadcasting career and then all of a sudden realized one day that I didn't want to have to move around all the time. If all of a sudden my voice <laughs> didn't meet that genre of music anymore and I'd have to yeah. move that I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but you're back in media now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I always loved it. I always had a passion for media. I enjoyed it. Um, but you know, I feel like sometimes life takes you on rides that you weren't expecting. I never expected to be a special education teacher. It was funny. I, I got out of college. I was working in public relations and this opportunity just presented itself, you know, fully paid master's degree to Johns Hopkins university to become a special education teacher. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I had always thought about being a teacher. I loved kids. I loved working with kids, but I don't think I realized how much I would love it when I actually got into it. Like I loved being a special ed teacher, I, I'm predominantly taught at middle school and high school for the most of my time in my career. And I loved the high school kids. Like I loved working with young adults and really helping to help them find their voice and their confidence in themselves was one of the most fulfilling things. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, Sig, he's, he's silly. He's always silly. He's like, I'm curious if you ever watched WKRP in Cincinnati. 
<laughs> I have <laughs> not. Is it that something? Have, I might be a little bit up? before her time. Sick. It might be a little bit before her time. I don't know. I'm probably, I'm probably older than I look. Um, but I'm okay if it seems like I'm really young. I'm. I will take it. I will take it. Oh yeah, no. Sick. What did he just turn forty? I think he just turned forty. I'm not sure. So he and I are close and very close. In close. Age. We don't. We, yeah. We're not gonna. We don't want. We don't need no, to we're not, we're not age. You know, we're not. We're, gonna, we're, not gonna, we're definitely gonna not going that yeah, way. No, <laughs> but no, I have a great time when I when I. The reason I because I started strictly audio, mm -hmm. then I went to pre-recorded video, and then. I started doing a, a, a radio show Thursday and Friday with my man, uh, Brian Snow and Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. And mm -hmm. they, and they, they, they talk sports. Mm -hmm. So I had, a, I had already started my podcast. So I actually being able to do his show gave me the opportunity to talk about sports, which I love here, which mm -hmm. I love to do. So to, because when I do my podcast, it has nothing to do with sports. Yeah. It has to do with mental health and, and relationships and all different types anything but sports so to be able to turn to to do the show and and speak on sports which is my second love besides podcasting now it, it's it was a great opportunity so I, I do that every thursday and friday and we have live chats going on so that inspired me to make my show live nice. and and yeah. the fact and the guy and it gives them the opportunity to ask questions or you leave comments and when they and it's it's fun. I have a great time. My guests seem to enjoy it. So mm -hmm. I have been. Um, I have to say, every time if it looks like I'm looking over here, it's because I'm actually <laughs> reading the comments that are coming up, and I'm loving it. I like it too. I I see what you're saying. There's it. It gives you that extra level of interaction that's occurring. It does. It does. It gives you the opportunity for them to be a part of the show. Mm -hmm. And I, I like love it. that. And and Tony's always coming up with some great questions. He's always giving up some great quotes. Uh, sick comes through i have a couple other people that come through and, and share and it, it's to me it's fun to me to be able to have them be a part of the show mm -hmm. is it, great i agree it gives you that that it's almost like uh, you know morning shows when there's multiple people who yeah. are part of it right it gives you the dynamic and i i like it and i've been enjoying reading all their different comments <laughs> it's only like aarp here <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Apparently, I didn't realize that you anybody can apply. Can yes, I, I have. I have an ARP card. Yes, I didn't realize. But apparently, and I heard this on the radio recently, that young people, like I would say, in their twenties, are applying for it, and they're using that senior citizen discount that you get with having an AARP membership. <laughs> and I was like, Why didn't I know about this? Yes, no, I actually have a, a AARP card. <laughs> I do. I'm you and the twenty-year-olds, apparently, you know, getting that discount. I'm, I'm not that far from there, so um, so it's yeah. I, I have a few more years, but yeah, I have a card. My wife filled it out and she gave me one. So that's a good wife right there. <laughs> hey, you get a lot of discounts. You, get diff you definitely get a lot of discounts and stuff. Well, that's, so that's apparently why this twenty-something-year-olds are doing the membership because it's worth the travel and food discounts that you get with yeah, it. You, and I, get, I, mean, I save on sense. glasses. I save on glasses and everything. Like where I get my glasses done, they take mm -hmm. ARP. <laughs> you get like a thirty percent discount. Hey, I'm not I mean, I get no. it. It makes I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it at all. Like I just thought it was funny that it the 20 year olds were the ones who figured out like, hey, there's an advantage to this. To having gonna, the ARP card. Yeah. yeah and I'm gonna do it. Yeah, because they have vacation packages, they have all mm -hmm. different things you can benefit from. Yeah. Listen, I have to give the younger generation credit. They they are very savvy when it comes to investments and savings. Like these are things we didn't. I know I wasn't taught growing up. Yeah. So for them to actually be ahead of the game and know that, hey, I need to invest in whatever or whatever is whatever they're doing. But some of these twenty-year-olds are becoming millionaires. I know it. I'm like, it's one of those things where I see it and I'm like, get it, you know, like get no, it. Get and then part movie. of me, I'm like. What did I do wrong with my life? I was born in the worst generation. I'm well, like the forgotten generation that's stuck in the middle of the boomers, and then this awesome generation who's like, we're gonna make stuff happen. Yeah, but, but listen, we 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 did make stuff happen. If it wasn't for the lot of lot of stuff they enjoy, we we have a that's major true. part of it. We're the we're the first generation of tech heads. Like we had the first gaming systems and all that, and first computers. So without us, they they're stuck. 
That is true. That's true. <laughs> thank you for thank you for bringing me back out of my hole that I had had dug for myself there. But yeah, but I am. I'm very impressed by by young people today, and I do think to some degree love it or hate it TikTok. I mean, my husband and I were even saying the other day that we always start our conversations with, I heard this on TikTok and we're like, how awful does that sound? <laughs> That's where we're getting our insights. Listen, from. I, I, my wife texts me something every day. She, like she sees something, but she'll send me something like if it's uh food, if mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we got to make this. Or if she's something to see something that's funny or even with, she saw, I guess she saw a TikTok of, how much people were making on Instagram and YouTube and TikTok. And Mm -hmm. she's like, here you go. I need you to see these numbers so you can (laughs) get motivated and start generating these views. Yeah. (laughs) But she's very supportive. Now she, she has my back. She, she, I love the fact that she's very supportive of me doing my podcast. So when she realized that this was something I was passionate about, she Mm -hmm. was like, all right, what can we do to make this? business she helped me start my llc my, we started a production company and she's the she's the brains she, she's that's the brains of the operation that is awesome I love i'm that. the voice and the talent she's the brains <laughs> that's a good partnership right there then it, it works it works, it's a good partnership. works. <laughs> i love it i love it. but yeah i mean these young people and the things that they come up with I mean, the access to information, though, can you imagine some of the things that you could have achieved if you had access to some of the information you can access now? Oh, my God. I think I would have been an A student. Right. A student. Definitely would have been an A student. Or just even ideas that you had or or things that you wanted to do. Things, things you, yeah, things that you get to create. Like, like some of these nine-year-olds with million-dollar YouTube pages Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from doing toy reviews or someone doing reviews on on tech gear or whatever whatever it's like the opportunities now and i'm I'm not complaining because this is giving me an opportunity to to find my passion and find what i I love doing Mm -hmm. so i'm 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 glad i discovered it i'm glad i discovered that i I enjoy doing this that this Mm -hmm. is something i'm passionate about so but it's it's it is amazing though how now how different the landscape is as far as how you make you can you can make income and just the way you can get yourself out there too like i i have told my my husband and my friends on multiple occasions like man i sometimes i wonder if i were even if i were to live the exact same life i've had but social media had just been what it is now when i was in my 20s I shared that I, I was a radio DJ, right? On some of the, the biggest radio stations. I'm like, man, would my Instagram following Be would have been crazy. hella better than it <laughs> is right crazy. now, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm not starting with that yeah. platform right now. I or saw your I, Instagram following though. I saw oh. your Instagram. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not small. It's not horrible. It's not horrible. No, it's, but... it's not horrible. <laughs> but I, I think I'm not going to blow you up, but it's not bad. It's like, I'm looking at, I'm like, oh man, I need to get that kind i want to get that number right there it's not a bad number well i appreciate that thank you but i mean but i think about though at a, at a time like oh man it, it would have been oh it would have been, like been triple it would have been triple digits that's it would have sure. been a lot bigger a lot easier of a, it would have been know, triple digits yeah I, I it, that would have and i also, seen the triple digits and then the k after it you know that <laughs> that would have been exciting to me and i also do when i was younger i sang like that would if i had done anything differently i would have gone down the music path i i definitely i'm amazing parents but i definitely had like the boomer like get a real job type of parents yes. like these dreamer yeah, things get a nine are, to five go to college yeah. get a nine to that's, five work there for sense. 30 years get your yeah. golden watch and retire yeah yes. get you know waiting tables while you're attempting to, to get yeah. your dream or whatever is not you know you get you got to get a real job that's that's success. Course, and then yeah. i love my parents they're like i said they're great people my mom would be all upset that i'm saying this but but it definitely was not go chase your dreams and i think how crazy would it have been like the stuff that i did singing when i was younger if that was on social media or the access that you because these kids don't even have to go about the whole way you used to get record deals anymore right you write your songs you record them you put yourself on tiktok all over the place it sells itself people find like to me it's just insane how different things are approached now compared to how it used to be oh yeah no it's different it's way different like you because you got to think about it 
our parents probably had dreams and hopes and 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 it was killed by their parents that yeah. like, you know they their their parents were a little bit much the children of the children of the depression yeah <laughs> so yeah it was different it was a different time but my my mom was always supported whatever i've wanted to do she's like if you want to play sports want to do sports hey let's let's do it if you want to go to school get become a lawyer hey let's so she's always been supportive of whatever I've, I've wanted to do so yeah yeah that's nice that is very nice that you've had that and and like i said i i had great parents and they were supportive parents but it definitely was like when i was like i want to go sing and or do music it was like that's nice. Why don't you become a teacher and then you could spend your summers doing that instead of the <laughs> situation. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I envy some of the young people to a, to a degree, but I also worry too, that's to some degree, how is all this access to information and this obsession with social media? Does it also have a negative aspect as far as mental health goes too? I mean, what are these kids? Are, you know, are we constantly comparing ourselves? And I don't know if you've seen some of these documentaries, but they talk about how fake some of these like Instagram accounts are. And, you know, it says I'm at the Ritz, but you're really in somebody's backyard that you sprinkled a couple rose petals in their kiddie pool and you're and you try to take pictures and say, here I am. Here's my wonderful life. And you can go and rent. Um, I know in California, they have these things where it looks like it's the inside of a private jet, but it's it's not. It's like a you know, studio like type thing. Studio, like, yeah. yeah. And you can go take pictures and it looks like that you're in your private jet. And so to some degree, like I always do wonder how is this also contributing to some of the mental health that we're seeing happening too? Like we're way more aware. We have, we know more information right now than we have ever known in human history. And is that actually a negative sometimes? Does that actually contribute to our anxiety and it's some just, of the things we're yeah, feeling? It, to me, like I, I watch, my wife is always watching ninety day fiance and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. and so when TLC comes, so there's a new this new f- family of uh, sisters that one of them was Miss Universe, and and they have a, they have a show, and I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had that thought too. Um, I won't say the one that I think of why on a regular I, I basis. But... Imagine, I can imagine. I already know there's a few of them. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why are you famous? Yeah. What is so special about you that you're? And I can't knock them. They 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 do anything, but it's a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. There are a lot of reality television shows of, and and you know what i'm just gonna say it i'm gonna be hated but like even the kardashians to a degree oh, i'm like that was number one to me i'm what are you what are we what are we so fixated on here like what are you doing i mean essentially that show is what got them some of their other things that they now are yeah. moguls over but but what what, what was it that got you this show? Like what? What other than I guess who we your know what got was. them the show? Yeah. We know what got them the show. It's just how it's just crazy. And how me, long it, it's been going on? Yeah, because because people need to be distracted. I don't know why. There's there's better things to do than to watch the Kardashians and and spend time mm-hmm. <laughs> looking. Mm-hmm. But listen, they hey they they. I guess they've made it. I don't know. To me, I don't. I don't. I know, I don't maybe find I'm it. just jealous. I want no, I'm not jealous. I know I'm not jealous. Because even with all that, they still. They have their. Yeah. 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 And I so, think that if anything, it shows that not all the money and the power in the world can make. Ha- you're going to still have trials. You're still going to have hardships. You're still going to have negative things that happen to you in your life. Nobody gets to be immune from some of the harder things. You live on the microscope. They live under a microscope. I I would not want that. I would not want paparazzi everywhere. Not going to. I like to use the bathroom in peace. <laughs> yeah. Have somebody stupid. So no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I wouldn't want that. That's just too crazy. I enjoy yeah. this. This I enjoy being able to just have these great conversations and. And just have a good time meeting new people and learning. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy podcasting. So I'm aligned with you on that very much. So, but uh, oh, it's this has been great. I had a, I've had a great time. 
Me See, too. We, we went from we went from like we said at the beginning. We was like we don't. I don't know where we're gonna go, but it's gonna end up somewhere. We're gonna just have a great conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm always very upfront and honest with people that I myself am neurodiverse. I'm very ADHD, so you never know what you're gonna get from me because I will take you all over the map with with conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way, so it, it works out. It works out for me. But now it's time for you to just uh, plug away. So I'm gonna give you a little solo layout, and you can uh, plug away. Awesome. Well, thanks first off for having me on the show. I loved it. I would love to interact with any of your listeners anytime they would like to interact with me. They can find me on my website at www.theneurodiverseteacher.com or my Instagram and my TikTok handle is at the.neurodiverse.teacher and reach out to me, hang out with me anytime. I always love sparking a conversation with people. Awesome. Awesome. Everything, every, all that is in is in the description of the of the live show. So, if you go back and catch a replay, you can you'll find everything in the description. Definitely check it out. Check out her website. Check out all her social media. Everything support. Just follow. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to support and subscribe. Definitely to her YouTube page. Definitely subscribe to her YouTube page as well. Everything's yeah, in the description, people. Yes, everybody definitely go and subscribe. Uh, but don't leave just yet. I'm going to give my shout outs and uh, we're going to talk a little bit off the air. Love it. And uh, great guest. Thank you, Christian, for your time and insight. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony, for stopping by. And sick, thank you as well for all the comments you've put through, man. Appreciate it. All right. So let me go do my shout outs. All right. Big shout out to everybody in the chat. Tony, sick. BS3 for coming through. I'm sure that was Obime who says uh, how we're both doing. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for showing by, for coming by and showing some love, man. And um, as always, a big shout out to the My Real Wise fam, Bandy J, Bobby J. Love you guys. Big shout out to my to my wife, the boss lady, Fina. Appreciate, appreciate you, baby. Big shout out to Dr. Christian for coming through and, and having a great conversation, man. This is fun. I love it. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. You know how your boy Wise does it. Peace out.